Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, where we bring awareness to people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. Our hope is that our listeners will like what they hear, and they'll want to make a difference in some way themselves by working together for maximum impact. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at EIG. If I were to ask what is one thing you absolutely cannot do without? What would that be? Some say their phone. Some say the internet or cable. My mind goes to an eternal perspective, and I would say my faith. But what about something so basic, something that not one human being, regardless of your socioeconomic status or place in life, can you do without? Something that everyone needs in order to stay alive. Well, that answer would be water. Water is vital to maintain health, to grow food, to manage the environment, create jobs. It's at the center of economic and social development. Water runs through Milwaukee's history like a river, said an article in the Wisconsin Eye. It was water that put the city on the map because it's a city built on water. Lake Michigan is the third largest Great Lake by surface area and the sixth largest freshwater lake in the world. And it's great for commerce back in the day as well as today. A good harbor guaranteed prosperity and Milwaukee had the best on the western shore of Lake Michigan. Once settlers arrived, water shaped how they earned a living. So this great natural resource has quite a history in Milwaukee. Did you ever stop to think about this basic need that many of us take for granted and that it'll just be there in good supply, good quantity, and good quality? Have you ever given thought to who takes care of this great natural resource? There were actually many people concerned about this many years ago, and an organization called Milwaukee Waterworks opened its doors in April of 1871, over 150 years ago, to focus on making this wonderful natural resource the best it can be in many different ways. Well, since then, there have been many other organizations who want to focus on it and want to be a part of making our local water source the best it can be for the benefit of all. My first guest today is Rhonda Nordstrom, Program Manager from Milwaukee Water Commons, which promotes stewardship of, equitable access to, and shared decision-making for our common waters. Welcome to the show today, Rhonda. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So tell us about who Milwaukee Water Commons is. Well, kind of like you described, we're really looking at... Um, building an organization that's a network of people taking leadership on water in the city. Um, we kind of started back in the early 2000s, and at the time, um, there was a lot of conversation about uplifting Milwaukee as a water-centric city. And that conversation was really kind of dialed in on commerce and tourism. Um, and there were residents that were leaders in Milwaukee that were saying, let's look at what this would mean if the residents thought that it was a water-centric city um, and that the residents were the ones that were living in relationship and having the benefit of our waters. Uh, and so over a series of months on a series of platforms from town hall meetings to one-on-one -on -one interviews, um, surveys online and in person, um, about 1,300 people 
spoke into the priorities that would um, that the city would carry around water if we were a true water-centric city. And those priorities um, came to be named the Water City Agenda. Okay, so you came to be in what, 2000? We, um, I, about 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and so it was, I think over, this was before my time at the organization, um, but in the years leading up to that, I can't remember over how much time those, that kind of pooling of knowledge and thinking and priorities, I can't remember um, how long that phase took. Um, but we, it was around had, 2000 that the Water City Agenda came to be? It was around 2000 that um, Milwaukee's leadership started saying, what could it look like if we branded the city as a water-centric city? Okay, okay. So um, tell us then what is in the Water City Agenda. Sure. Yeah, it's a set of um, kind of six priority areas that residents said if an organization like Milwaukee Water Commons is going to be formed and exist, that that's, um, these are the priorities we want that organization working on. So we want an organization that's addressing and working on clean drinking water. We for want, sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Again, I think people take that for granted. They turn the tap water on, it's going to be great water. But yeah. the water in Milwaukee, we have a rental property downtown, that water is really good water versus out in the burbs. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's things, you know, in Milwaukee, um, there are a lot of kind of legacy contaminants that nationally are being found in drinking water called forever chemicals and PFAS or PFOS are what you'll often hear them refer to. Um, but a lot of our work is around lead lateral replacement, the lead service lines and the lead poisoning associated um, that really kind of take our drinking water priorities. We do a lot around water quality and green infrastructure and remembering as you were saying, Milwaukee's a city that's you know built on water, mm -hmm. but it was really built on a wetland. It was built on a marsh. Um, and so the kind of natural ecosystem functioning of how um, that area you know deals with storm water or kind of naturally kind of um, holds and isolates toxins, mm. that natural system isn't functioning because we built a city on it. So now we need new mechanisms for how you know, we handle stormwater. Um, what else do we do? We do a lot of work around um, more equitable access to jobs in both the water and environmental sectors. We call that our blue-green jobs initiative. Um, and then we do a lot of work uh, around building access to water for recreation throughout the city, um, making sure that we are participating in and contributing to the education around water and people's understanding of water issues, but also how water moves. Um, and we spend a lot of time also really uplifting um, water and its cultural rele relevance, and it's um, where it can show up in art throughout the city. Wow, my goodness. Didn't realize you did all those things. Well, is there water restoration efforts happening now in Milwaukee? There are, and there always have been, but what the big push we're seeing right now um, is that there are the Environmental Protection Agency at the federal level um, in the late 80s identified, I think it's it was over 40, either 41 or 47 areas in the Great Lakes region that were identified as areas of concern for legacy contamination and environmental degradation due to human impacts. Oh. The Milwaukee Estuary was named one of those sites. And so there have been plans for many, many years um, 
about what that cleanup effort needs to look like. Essentially, it's pulling up the sediment on the bottoms of the rivers, the toxic sediment that's in soil, left over from our industrial history and how much dumping and waste was put into the waterways and now um, is just kind of keeping it from being a healthy ecosystem. Wow. And so that's got to be quite an undertaking. Yeah, it's a it's a huge federal investment. Um, it's got a lot of engineers. It's got all the leadership from, you know, the Metropolitan Milwaukee Sewerage District. It's got a lot of neighborhood leaders and um, environmental stewards that are all kind of speaking into what this project will look like long term because it's happening, you know, along, you know, a couple mile stretches of all three rivers, the Kinnikinnick, Menominee and Milwaukee rivers, Milwaukee's inner harbor at the shore of Lake Michigan. Um, but also, you know, kind of Milwaukee has such amazing, beautiful parks. Well, some there's areas in some of those parks that look really healthy and vibrant, but they're, it's not a healthy ecosystem because it's in that legacy contamination. And so okay. there's, a, there's a lot of um, work that's going to be coming over the next few years around that project. Well, thank you, Lord, that there's somebody making a priority on that, right? Yeah. I mean, didn't even realize that that was an issue, and probably many people don't. But again, uh, rest assured that uh, Milwaukee Water Commons is on it, right? Um, speaking of your name, Water Commons, what does it mean when you talk about the commons? Yeah, I think it's, um, and again, I think a lot of it was really supported by that initial input from so many Milwaukeeans, um, but also a, just a lot of leadership and thinking about what our relationship to water is. And kind of like you spoke, a lot of times we turn on a tap, we don't think about it. We, we take a the shower. toilet. We yes. take a shower. All yes. those things we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but how would we, as communities, and um, care for our water differently if we didn't just see it as a resource, something yeah. that we used, extracted? But if it was something that was alive, that we really. Um, you referenced a faith-based relationship to water. You know, um, you'll often hear that water is life. Yes. You know, yeah. um, life begins Quite in water for yeah. humans and <laughs> yes. animals, right? Yeah. And so, um, really getting to well, what if what if we cared for water as the life giver versus the resource that we take, and how does that shift how we steward water and care for our natural resources? Um, another big piece of this also is. Um, a belief that the waters cannot be owned. And so it's not, you know, um, if somebody has their private land, the water is, we can't own the water. The water flows, the shorelines, um, the water is available for all of us. So we all get the benefit, but we also all need to take responsibility for the care of the water. Okay, very interesting. Well, this is great information for all of us to learn more about who Milwaukee Water Commons is. Uh, now, what about the ways you specifically make a difference for our community in terms of programming, projects, and events? We'll stay tuned and we'll get to that after commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Rhonda Nordstrom from Milwaukee Water Commons. So, Rhonda, uh, share with our audience what programs, projects, and events that you offer to the community are. Sure. Um, our work, kind of, much of it is Milwaukee-centered, um, 
but by the nature of the water, we're also doing work around Lake Michigan issues and also broader Great Lakes region um, advocacy. And so we have one of the ways that we kind of try to build that um, cross-city network of leaders on water issues is we offer a leadership development cohort called our Water School every year that brings together small teams from local not-for-profit organizations and community groups um, that see water as different priority, you know, they have different priority areas related to water in their communities. Um, but this is an opportunity to bring all those organizations and people together and also do some kind of foundational knowledge about water and ecosystems and maybe other water issues or priorities that don't as closely impact or aren't priority areas for their organization. Um, and then through that, we have a, a re-granting process that then they develop sustainability projects that are meaningful to the work they're doing, um, and the Water School program helps fund that work. We also have um, kind of a, a program that's more specifically related to kind of public health and um, related to our tree canopy in Milwaukee, which is the Branch Out program, um, which is looking at really building up um, the public health, environmental health, climate resilience, and workforce, devel workforce development um, as we are trying to maximize the benefits of the tree canopy in different neighborhoods throughout the city. Uh, this year we just started our first cohort of artist residents, so we'll have five different artists that will be um, kind of creating work that's uplifting and celebrating water in different areas throughout the city, neighborhoods throughout the city. We're really nice. excited for that to take nice. shape. Yeah. Um, we have a cultural celebration every August for, uh, called We Are Water. We bring people together on the shores of Lake Michigan. There's music, there's a public art installation, there's some speaking, there's some you know community information and vendors there. Um, we do a lot of kind of broader advocacy about Great Lakes restoration, including Lake Michigan and broader. Um, and then on Lake Michigan itself in Milwaukee, we have the Beach Ambassador Project, which is really looking at building community awareness for how to be in open water safety safely. Well, I have to say, I'm an ambassador for the Waukesha County Business Alliance and for FEW, Fellowship of Extraordinary Women, so that Beach Ambassador project looks really interesting. So <laughs> tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. I'll tell you, maybe the best way to start is with the background of the project. And um, prior to COVID-19, we, Milwaukee Water Commons, partnered with a handful of other organizations, the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center, Milwaukee Riverkeeper, the University of Wisconsin Sea Grant, um, and a couple other community partners to really uplift this expectation of having fishable, swimmable, drinkable waters, and to celebrate the improvements that were being made in water quality in the Milwaukee River, because we were at a point, after many, many, many years of not being there, of being able to swim in the Milwaukee River. Oh, okay. So we hosted a fully sanctioned open water swim. Um, I can't remember exactly how many years we did that, but a few years. And then, um, of course, that got stalled by COVID. Um, and there were a couple other things that happened in the midst of the pandemic. One, we saw globally and, and in Milwaukee here that people were getting outside and using recreational spaces in ways that had never really happened um, in our lifetime before. And then at the same time in Milwaukee, we were having, um, there was an incident at one of our beaches where we had four people drown one season at one of our beaches. Oh my. And we don't, um, it's, 
Our public beaches have not had lifeguards for a few years now. There's a national shortage of lifeguards. We see it all over the Great Lakes region, especially Lake Michigan and in Milwaukee too. Um, and so those partners that organized the Cream City Classic Swim that all are very closely connected to water recreation, water quality. Um, we thought we can help speak into this. You know, we can help raise awareness about this. We're we're well positioned to work together. Um, we've set aside, you know, organizational resources to commit to this, and so that's kind of where the project started. And we're in the third year now nice. um, of having summer seasonal positions of folks that are just out making sure people understand if you know it's not a pool. Right. It's not right. a it's not a water park. Like, what are the safety factors that you and what do you need to understand about the weather and wind and systems that are happening yeah. that impact your day here? Oh, that's very interesting. That's great that someone's taking that on. Um, well, the uh, Milwaukee Water Commons does so much, and I've learned so much today. It's it's wonderful, and I hope our listeners have as well. Um, if someone is listening and they want to get involved with the work that you do how can they do that and how's the best way for them to connect sure i think that um you know joining any of our events and programs and i'll rattle off our social media handles and website in a second where people can find more information about that um but i think there's also the piece of um a real kind of collective responsibility for people taking care for our waters and so if the listeners can think about what their relationship is with water, both personally, but also how are they using water as a resource and um, kind of challenge themselves to practice some stewardship efforts. Um, when it comes to our events and our programs, uh, our website is Milwaukee Water Commons, Commons has an S, dot org. And then on social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our handle is MKE Water Commons. Um, and we post all our stuff on those sites. Wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you, Rhonda. Rhonda Nordstrom from Milwaukee Water Commons. Thank you for educating all of us on all the ways that you help to make this natural resource available for people, how you take care of it, and look beyond it being a natural resource, as you talked about. So thank you for sharing all that great information with us today. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, you're going to hear from a local nonprofit that's working in collaboration with the Milwaukee Water Commons on this beach ambassador program and offering other fun things to do in the community as well. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest is Teresa Coronado, Director of Outreach and Development at the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center. Welcome to the show today, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. So I'm curious, are you a sailing enthusiast? How did you how did you get involved with the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center? Um, it was... Uh, an odd path. I, I am a sailing enthusiast. I have sailed my my whole life. Um, I was four when my grandfather took me on my first sailboat ride, and then my uncles, who were um, very young, and I was the first like niece, thought I was a fun like 
floaty water doll to play with. <laughs> so they took me on every adventure they had, which of course it was, it was, you know, seventies and eighties. So thank goodness there was no video. Um, but yeah, I've been sailing my know. whole life. They, maybe they have something <laughs> archived somewhere. Maybe so. Maybe just so. just don't know. Um, and so how did you get uh, involved specifically with the, with the sailing center? So your family was intimately involved uh, as members and then they took you or just as far as getting you introduced to sailing? Um, they, they, my family introduced me to sailing. Um, I'm, a mili- I'm an army brat. So we never lived anywhere more than two or three years at a time during my growing up. Okay. Um, and then actually I went to school in Oregon for my PhD and I moved to Wisconsin to teach at UW Parkside in Kenosha. Um, but when I moved to Wisconsin, finally, um, my, one of my, my, one of my fun uncles said, there's a, a community sailing center in Milwaukee. I think you'd love it. So I joined as a member in 2008. Ah. Um, and I went through some of their classes. I learned what I learned was wrong when I was a kid. <laughs> I learned about, uncle. <laughs> yeah, I learned about safety, which okay. I of course did not have as a child. Um, and from there, I really just, uh, started teaching there and then, even after tenure and I was an associate professor of English at Parkside, um, the position, a position opened up as part of management at the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center and I left. Um, and I'm, I continue to leap and teach and really it's, it's my passions, sailing and getting to teach people sailing. That's wonderful. And I think uh, important for people to hear, you know, that they may think they know where they're supposed to be heading professionally Mm -hmm. but if something presents itself that maybe has been a dream or just something that aligns really well with your gifts and your passion that like you said take that leap and give it a try um we're glad that you did give us a short history of the center including your mission statement um the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center uh was founded in 1977 a group of local sailors got together with even with county officials and said we need somewhere where people who don't own boats can learn to sail and have access to boats um and our mission statement is to make Lake Michigan accessible um and so that's really our our mission statement and our start in 77 came together um the county and the city were both very enthusiastic about the project. They had just completed a lot of uh, what is now the McKinley Marina area. Um, so it had finally gotten all filled in and we plopped a trailer on it and they said, go for it. <laughs> um, and so we've been growing since then in terms of boats and volunteers and members mm. um, and really trying to continue to commit ourselves to that mission statement of making Lake Michigan accessible. Um, it's a huge city and we have one of the best resources available. Um, I can't, um, I can't imagine not having access to it. And I don't own a boat myself. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, the round was talking about this, uh, beach ambassador program, which is very interesting. Um, how, when you're working together in collaboration with the Milwaukee water commons on this program, how does that help the sailing center fulfill its mission? Um, Really, it has to do with accessibility. It's part of the commons. Um, it's the uh, the disparities in access and water education, what people know when they learn, how they learn. I was lucky as a child to have learned from my grandparents and my parents to love and respect Lake Michigan. Um, so I grew up with the knowledge of what I needed to know. But coming to a bigger city where um, where you're really trying to figure out how to help people love the water as much as you know, as much as I do, um, as well as the sailing center has this deep legacy. I, I mean, it's over 40 years old. Um, 
with the mission statement to make Lake Mich Michigan accessible, with the beach ambassadors, we're inviting people to the Milwaukee beaches and saying, come learn how you can be safe and love this lake as much as the rest of us. You get to see it every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, we want to share it. So come okay. on down. Well, and how can we reach out to see what the beach ambassadors are doing? Is there a place to go that people can get educated on that? Yes, we have we have a link tree, which was new for me in social media. Um, it's MKE Beach Ambassadors um, in our link tree. And what that link tree is, it's a list of all the links of safety resources, um, how to contact the beach ambassadors, um, resources uh, that come from both the um, National Weather Service, the county, the city parks, uh, connection to Water Commons, connection to our other partners, and, um, you know, what people need to look out for in terms of safety and education. Okay. Well, we'll reiterate that at the, uh, the end of the next segment, too, for people so you can grab your pens and write that resource down. So... So that's the Beach Ambassador Program, which is great. Um, but let's focus now on the Sailing Center specifically. How are you achieving the goals of your founders by making Lake Michigan accessible through sailing to people in the metro Milwaukee area? Um, programming. We have a lot of programming um, for all ages. Well, we started age eight. Um, our oldest active members in our programs are in their early 80s. Oh, my goodness. How um, wonderful is yeah, that? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, we do outreach to underfunded communities, so people who may not have access to the lake, even though they're within half a mile. Um, generous donors offering tuition assistance. And um, our generous volunteers. We have, we have a couple hundred volunteers who can help us get our programming off the ground Um and they invite people down. They go with me to schools and organizations and say, hey, just come come give sailing a try. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, I have fond memories way back in the day of the Sailing Center because my husband used to be a member uh, quite a number of years ago. I describe him as a casual sailor with a small laser. But he learned a lot. And he was able to get the boat out about a dozen or so times throughout the season. He really enjoyed being a member that's that's excellent. Um, and you know, I am still an active member. Um, when I'm not when I'm not teaching and outreaching and developing, I, I you're out there sailing. I'm out there right? sailing. <laughs> um, and we have lots of part-time members, and we also have members that are there all the time. So one of our three of our most prolific sailors are women in their late 70s and early 80s. Oh my goodness! They rack up a couple hundred hours a summer. Wow. Um, so people of all ages, almost half of our membership is women, um, which is excellent because a the sailing community internationally is not generally known for being open to women sailors. Um, but that's part of our access is, of course, it's, we're over half the world. Why wouldn't we sail? I just saw a movie recently with uh, the true story of the young woman who yes. sailed the, uh, I think she was from Australia. Or There's there's definitely, there's one from Australia, the, the 14 or 15 year old. Yes, yes. Um, and there's Very a couple. Yeah. yeah. Being out on those waters, no thank you. Sorry. <laughs> That would freak me out. I, I like the fresh water a little bit better, and there's there's nothing that will eat you. Exactly. If you're yeah. in Lake Michigan. Yeah, no, I like that idea. I like that idea. Um, how has the center's board of directors led the charge in fulfilling the original mission of the center? And have you needed to do a course correction at all in the last 40 years? Um, the board has stuck to their course. They, they opened with access to all, um, and they continue with access to all. They're a very active board some of our biggest volunteers so they don't they all they meet um to help guide this the center and 
work with funding and all those things, but they're also active volunteers. So they're on boats every day when we have school kids come. They're out there when we have, you know, whole families are learning how to sail together. We'll have a volunteer on the boat with them. Um, and a lot of times they're sailing with a board member um, who are really committed um, to that, um, to our mission statement. Um, they're also, in terms of not changing their course, really just looking for growth and outreach. How can we continue to fulfill that mission? How can we leave a legacy for um, their children, their grandchildren, um, and all of us? So I think we have that in common with the Milwaukee Water Commons Beyond the Beach Ambassadors, that we're looking to Milwaukee's future. Um, it's great that you know we've learned how to sail, but how can we get other people to continue to pass that along Yeah, and yeah. enjoy Lake Michigan? Exactly. Um, well, the Sailing Center, I think it fulfills a niche in the community, I'd say. So if it wasn't there, there's really no other organization that could have taught 30,000 individuals in the community how to sail and have access to Lake Michigan. So that's that's wonderful. But even beyond the fundamentals of sailing, the Sailing Center offers other life skills to old and young alike through their membership. So let's find out more about that after our commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking with Teresa Coronado from the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center. So, Teresa, what other benefits do you offer your members over and above the fundamentals of sailing? Um, water itself, as well as sailing, brings us mental health, uh, a lot of mental health. Most of our members right now and say, what, you know, what is sailing giving you? They'll say, it's peaceful out there. Mm. Um, our boats don't have engines. Um, so really, it's all about you and the water and the wind. Um, leadership skills and teamwork skills, especially in our, um, you know, we start that seed in the eight-year-olds with working together to get the boat ready, working together to get the boat to a certain place. Um, but that said, you have to have some leadership skills because there is only one captain of the ship. Mm. Um, you may switch over who's captain while you're out sailing it for an hour, um, but there's one person who has to say, you know what, this is the decision I'm going to make and let's try it. And when you see it starting that young, you really get to see how much it develops over time. Um, so when I we have, like I said, board members who go out and sail. Many of them have kids who've gone through programs. Um, their kids now are old enough that we've hired them to teach. And so they're now teaching another set of kids how to do those things. And our board members as volunteers for the adult programs are finding they're getting to take the lessons that they learned from their kids about sailing with us and teaching it to adults that they're sailing with even though these are great adults, you know, you have full-time job, you have a family, you've had all these responsibilities, but it's never been between you and the wind and having to decide, you know, is now a good time to move the boat or not? Is this something I communicate with the people on the boat or is this something I have to decide for myself? And so you really get all of those things out of sailing besides the cool part that you're sailing on Lake Michigan. Uh, yeah, I don't, maybe people don't even give give thought to those soft skills, mm -hmm. you know, the leadership and communication and all those things. I understand you also reach out to individuals with special needs. Absolutely. We work with a lot of community um, community outreach organizations. Um, here we work especially with the Milwaukee County Office for, for Persons with Disabilities. 
Um, and we have every Friday all summer that we're open from 8 a.m. until we until about 4 p.m. We'll have about 20 to 40 people with disabilities, agencies, and or their families sailing with us. So that's every Friday at the sailing center. Um, and we have volunteers who take them out. We have people who are experienced with making sure that we can help with any physical needs. Um, and a lot of it is, again, teaching. A lot of it turns out to be mental health. Mm -hmm. um, the agencies are bringing people down. And it's one of our longest standing traditions at the sailing center that we offer these boat rides for free. Um, to people, their families, um, and the agencies in Milwaukee who who um, help help people with disabilities navigate the city in everyday life. Mm, wow. And it's wonderful that you partner with a number of organizations to allow you to offer these things. Um, talking about other things that you offer, you also have a STEM program. What's the focus of that? We do. Um so there's so much physics involved in sailing, uh, which I did not know. My background is all literature, English literature and American literature. Um, when I started at the sailing center, they said, hey, guess what? One of the things you do is programming and helping with programming is you're going to the schools and teaching physics. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, can, I can teach them poetry and I we know. can read a book. Let's but... talk about Moby Dick. <laughs> um, but Caroline Joyce is one of our, our board members, and she has expertise in development of curriculum for these kinds of things. So her curriculum sets us up for summer and school year programs where we teach things like how to find the wind and build those things, the balance of sailboats, how sails work. Um, and we work with schools in that I will go into a school and teach within the school's curriculum using the physics of sailing to really interest kids in Lake Michigan and local things as well as science. And then the schools come and they bring the, um, the students down for a field trip. And so they get to sail as well as all the, the fun learning stuff. Um, and yeah, that's so the STEM program is part of our outreach too, going out, finding students who really want to know more about their local Lake Michigan how does the physics and math they're learning in school apply to, you know, just outside? I think that's a, a great offering because, again, it might be something people don't even think about. How can you effectively teach uh, science, technology, engineering, and math in a very uh, applicable way? You know, I think that's yeah. a really great way to, to do it because pe kids may not think about the fact that, that is STEM related when I'm out on the water and mm -hmm. I have to navigate the waters and figure out the sail and all that other stuff that goes into it. Um, how is the cost of the outreach programs covered then? Uh, donations and volunteers. We're okay. um, about 80% of our funding is through membership and programming. Um, the rest of it is through just generous donors, whether it's the board members, outside donors. Um, and then again, the Sailing Center has uh, between 150 to 200 volunteers every year helping with every aspect of programming and services. Um, so when we say, hey, I, you know, we have three eighth grade classes coming, um, they've just learned all the physics of sailing and we need to take them out on the water. We have people volunteering and saying, I love eighth graders. I want to talk about physics and go sailing with them. So they jump in and volunteer. Nice. Very nice. Can't have enough of those. No, Can't have enough no, of they're great. Yeah. And mostly they'll say, they'll, it, when asked, they'll say, you know, why do you volunteer so much? And they say, how else would I justify getting this much time on the water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I could be mowing the lawn, but it's for the children. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, do you apply for grants at all then to help fund? the programming and the infrastructure? We do. We have grants. Um, we have had a lot of generous donors offer matching grants 
Um, we apply to foundations. Um, and then we have fundraisers. Actually, right now we're running a lobster boil. We do every summer, same time every year. Um, since the pandemic, the lobster boil has been a buy a ticket. You get a certificate. You go to a local restaurant and you pick it up and you can just eat it wherever. Mm. So rather than a big gathering, like, of course, pre-COVID times. Um, so all of that goes towards promoting these resources, outreach for people with disabilities, the STEM programming, um, and then just additional outreach. So we do we do a lot of those things. Um, we also, for those grants, help support um, people who just can't afford it, even, even as inexpensive as we can keep it. Um, we have sliding scale and full scholarships for both kids and adults. Okay. Well, have you ever experienced any pushback on funding? Because I can imagine that uh, members would want to have a vested interest to get involved uh, as well to secure the future of the center. So when you look at all these different ways that you are uh, funding your, mm -hmm. your programs and such, uh, do you have any pushback? Um, we don't. We don't. The board's fully behind it. Our members are fully behind it. The donors support our mission and what we're doing. Um, we get donations from members and individuals. You know, somebody might come in and say, I have $10. I'm like, that's that's a huge amount. $10 is, a, you know, about what it costs us on average to um, an hour to educate a student to sale. You just paid for an hour. Oh, okay. Um, and then some of the bigger donors will say, you know, we see that you're looking to reinvest in boat infrastructure or that you're looking to reinvest in some of your buildings. What can we do? Um, and so the board has consistently pledged support over the years. They regularly donate about 18% of our total donations, which is huge for a board that's a, you know, fully volunteer board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so they're, they're all behind it because it's, it's not just for the kids it's for all of us mm -hmm. and all of us to enjoy something like lake michigan absolutely uh okay so here's a loaded question given all that we've talked about if you had a magic wand what are some things that you would do to improve on all the great things that you are already doing and uh, what might be holding you back from doing it well, if a magic wand could give us a few more months of summer, I would start with that. <laughs> you got to touch mom nature on that one. Yeah. We always run out of time. <laughs> We're open about six months, um, and we just keep running out of time. Um, so magic wand would be more summer. Probably more within the magic wand's real ability is more boats, more space, more funding, and developing more programming with more staff. Mm. Um, with a 40-year 40, almost a 45-year legacy behind us, um, we've just invested in boats, which are, is buying us at least another 60 years. Um, they've all been refurbished to really last a while. The county has re-signed a lease. Um, we don't get support from the county, but we lease from the county, and they've just re-signed a lease with us, so we get the land for at least 50 more years. Oh, wow. So okay. we're looking to Good see to how can we support, like what infrastructure can we make sure is in place so that in 50 years, the sailing center is still going strong. Yeah. Well, to that end, then, tell us what's on the short and the long-term horizon to achieve and, and further your mission, then. Um, for the short and long-term, really, we're just looking at addressing all of our challenges in terms of getting um, getting people to understand as a community sailing center that what we offer is access to boats. Um, that were unlike yacht clubs, which are awesome, were supported by some good ones in our area. Um, we really depend on 
people understanding that our, we're a community resource, and that's, that's really what we want to do. Um, so short term, again, more summer, get more done. <laughs> um, um, long term, we're growing so fast. Short term, you know, we just want to finish the summer strong, get our members and new sailors out to enjoy the wind we have through October. Um, and again, more boats and infrastructure. We're, we have a capital campaign starting in a few years to finish our building, um, for instance. So that's that's a long term. It's going to take us a while to get us going. Um, and continuing to build our community so that our um, adult members bring their children and grandchildren to learn to sail so that they in turn become the instructors, volunteers, and board members of our future. Yeah, and it comes full circle. It right? does, every yeah. time. So how can the community help um, the Sailing Center to fulfill its mission, and, and how can they best connect? Um, they can help by joining. Join us at the Sailing Center. We're fun. We take you sailing. <laughs> if you're all like you, then yeah. I'm sure it's going to be fun. We, we It'll love be a it. Party. We love it. Um, tell your <laughs> friends if you know if coming to Milwaukee to sail because you do have some. You know, there's a lot of really good inland lakes just offshore. If, um, tell your friends, come visit, um, donate whether it's time or treasure. Um, volunteer where you can if if you're interested in buying a boat and you're like, well, I'm not sure I know how to take care of one. We asked for volunteer help to paint, uh, sand, and work on our boats all winter. Because ah, you can bet as a sailing school, they get a little, they get they get loved a lot. Sometimes loved hard against the dock, yes, sometimes yeah. loved into each other. <laughs> um, and so, we, you know, come volunteer, learn how to take care of boats. And then when you get your own boat, you already know how to do those things. So it's a two for one, helping Good. us continue. And then our website has all the information you need. So sailingcenter.org. Um, no, that's easy. Sailingcenter.org. Yeah. We got in early. We got in early. It's how you know we're old. <laughs> um, we also have Facebook, Instagram, and we're on LinkedIn. Okay. Wow. Lots of places you can check it out. Or you can probably just Google Milwaukee Community Sailing Center. Right? Yes. And it'll take you right to where you need to be. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank my guests today, Teresa Coronado from the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center and Rhonda Nordstrom from Milwaukee Water Commons. I appreciate you both sharing today important information about this precious natural resource right here in our own backyard. And I also want to thank you for all the ways you're providing education and programming and fun activities to our community. So thank you both for being here today. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out directly to Milwaukee Water Commons or Milwaukee Community Sailing Center. And if you know of great organizations doing great things in our community, like my guest today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Give me their contact information and I'll reach out to see if they'd like to be a guest on an upcoming show. I will tell you that we're almost booked out for the year, believe it or not. So if you'd like to be on the show yet this year, I'd reach out sooner rather than later. Or you can be scheduled for next year because if the rest of the year goes by as quickly as it already has, next year we'll be here before we know it. If you want to learn more about some really great people and organizations doing great things in our community, tune in Sunday morning 10 a.m. to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. You can find us on WISN News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. If you miss the show on air, you can visit our website anytime at ellenbecker.com, and you can listen to previously aired shows. You can also listen now on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. 
If you have a goal to live a benevolent life full of purpose and meaning, which I think most of us do, think about how you can pay it forward in some way, how you can make a difference for someone in our community. You can do that by donating, volunteering, or advocating for any of the wonderful organizations we've had on the show that speaks to your heart. We're not called to do everything, but everyone can do something. Make it your personal mission to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening and have a great day.